1: One more time, get PuroAir.com. Check it out now.
0: Hey, friends. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff.
1: And I'm David Thomas.
0: And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And
1: we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Max Lucado is a pastor, speaker, and best-selling author who, in his own words, writes books for people who don't read books. He serves the people of Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas, and his message is for the hurting, the guilty, the lonely, and the discouraged. God loves you. Let him. Max's books have sold more than 145 million copies in over 50 languages worldwide. Max and his wife, Dentalon, now live in San Antonio, Texas. They have three grown daughters, three sons-in-law, and two grandchildren.
0: Max, we are so honored to get to spend this time with you. Both have loved your work for decades, just so grateful for the the light and the hope that you bring to this world and the truth and the grace and all the things. And we are so excited about your new book, God Never Gives Up On You. And as you know, the first chapter of the book is called The Tilted Halo Society. And in that chapter, you say, this book is for members of The Tilted Halo Society, for strugglers among us and the fumbler within us, for those of us who are part saint, part scoundrel. We mean well, but do well? Well, we don't always. We have breakthroughs for sure, but breakdowns as well, often in the same hour. We need no reminders of our failures. We have not forgotten them. But we could use a refresher course on God's stubborn refusal to give up on us. Uh, We are so grateful. I mean, even if we just took that message for that message in our world today. And we would love to hear a little bit about what inspired you to write this book today.
2: Well, thank you, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it's really, a, really a treat to connect with you and uh, have the have these moments together. And thanks for all you do to help people sort out and disentangle uh, the issues and and questions and struggles of life. I'd love to eavesdrop and be the fly on the wall of some of the conversations that you have. But uh, yeah, I uh, I I have for a long time. Been fascinated by the story of Jacob. Uh, you know his his name is so associated with the patriarchs uh, of the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, that we assume until we read his story that he was a decent guy. But then we read his story and we learn otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I can remember uh, having. Re- read his story, I guess, for the first time, seriously read it or taken a good look at it, probably back in my 20s, wondering how does he always get mentioned with Abraham and Isaac? I, I-, I mean, the guy was a scoundrel. He was a scoundrel. <laughs> and uh, his story is colorful. It's surprising. It's sobering. It's a mirror of our own lives. Uh and and I I've I've really wanted to uh, write about him. I don't know why I've kicked the can down the road. It took me. I just had other things that would come up. But finally, three or four years ago, I said, "Okay, this is this is the year of Jacob," and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, present. All of my books come out of sermons that I I share with our church in San Antonio, and I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, sharing these sermons. I think we called the sermon series, the tilted halo society. And uh, <laughs> it, it connected, it, it connected, you know, you study the story of Daniel or the story of Joseph, uh, Sterling characters. You read about Mary, the mother of Jesus or the apostle Paul, and you, you get the sense that they had their struggles, but they always came out on top. They were good you know, six out of seven days a week, or twenty three out of twenty four hours a day. But then, then you look at your own story, and you say, "I c- I can't relate to those folks. I mean, they they deserve the stained glass. Uh, I I'm, I deserve the broken glass, and I don't deserve to to be in their categories." Truth is, they struggled as well. Uh, but but there's no way to posture Jacob as a super saint. There's just no way to. Uh, and the fact is that Jesus still referred to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he didn't put an asterisk next to Jacob's <laughs> name uh, when he very well could have. And so, I, I, I think this story of Jacob is a story for the struggler within us and the fumbler among us. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed writing, reading, and writing about him, and, and I hope uh, I hope people find the same.
1: Mm. Max, along those lines, in in our work with children, we have never seen parents as discouraged and feeling as much like failures as we do today. And when we read your book, "Being Fumblers and Scoundrels," felt like good news to us. And just would love to ask you, what encouragement would you give to parents who are feeling that same way today? There's
2: a there's a part of me. You yeah, have been a, a pastor for many years, and so. Every Mother's Day and every Father's Day I'd want to bring a message. And then we'd do special sermon series for parents and uh and and families. And I always wondered why Jesus didn't say more about parenting. Mm. Uh we, we could have used a few paragraphs in the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. you know, what to do with a yes. with a spoiled toddler or how do you <laughs> react to a rebellious teenager. Um but then something dawned on me, I, I don't know if it's, a, it, yeah, but here's what dawned on me, and you can decipher it as you will. There were three occasions that Jesus uh, interacted with parents, and in each occasion, it was a desperate parent with a request mm-hmm. for a sick child or a dying child. And in all three occasions, Jesus stopped everything he was doing and responded, responded immediately. And my takeaway from that is that sometimes Scripture says less so that what is said will be heard more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And the focus here to the parent or the message to the parent is that Jesus hears the prayers of parents. Jesus hears the prayers of parents. And this is a, this is a challenge that's a reminder of the power of a praying mom or a praying dad. I just spoke to my wife this morning. Uh, she was on the road driving to visit one of our daughters uh, to see uh, the sonogram of our next grandchild.
0: Oh, uh, And she was driving. She's
2: on the road. Well, thank you. And she's on the road from San Antonio to Austin. I live in San Antonio. And it's about a two hour drive. And I said, what have you been doing? She's on the road. And I just called her and she said, I've been knocking the walls down in prayer. And that's Aww. how she is. She, she's, she's a, she loves to pray. And and, and I, I'm so grateful. Uh, we're not perfect parents. and you, My three daughters will testify to that. <laughs> We've had our struggles and continue to do so, but as adults uh, there are even though our daughters are in their thirties and have kids of their own, uh, my wife really models and reminds me that there is truly power when a mom or dad goes to the heavenly Father and says, "We need help, we need help
0: mm-hmm. thank you thank you, yes, that is beautiful. And I'd love to take us back to Jacob for just a second, because I loved what you talked about with him and how you make a statement about how his family really does mirror our own. Will you talk more about that? What that means?
2: (laughs) Is that not the wildest family? (laughs) And, and, and then Jacob had a wild family. I mean, the whole, those two generations there are just classic. Uh, just in case somebody has not read the story, let me tantalize you just a little bit, okay? So I don't want to preach a whole sermon here. So stop me. Wave at me in the <laughs> screen if I if I'm getting carried away. But uh, so 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 Abraham is called by God to be the courier of the message of hope. Uh, he is he is promised both soil and seed. The seed would be Jesus Christ. So through his ancestry would come the greatest gift to humanity, and that is the Messiah. Uh, Consequently, uh, I personally believe the devil has been out against Abraham's descendants ever since. And uh, he came strong after Jacob, because if he could derail the family of Abraham or the descendants of Abraham, or if he could destroy them, then he would interrupt God's perfect plan. So that's kind of the big context, okay? So Abraham has uh, Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah have Jacob and Esau. Esau and Jacob are twins. Uh, Jacob is born second, but only seconds after uh, his big brother Esau. He comes out holding the heel of his brother, which is a triumph of irony. Because for the rest of his life, it's like he's trying to pull his brother back so he can move forward. Hmm. And 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 Rebecca gives birth to this this kind of a scoundrel, this this weasel, this this guy who works the system. In my mind, he wears uh uh you know next in that picture of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's the one with the poker visor and. He, he's, he's, he's got a, he's, he's got a cigarette dangling out of his, <laughs> out of his mouth and That's and so he's good. kind of short and wiry looking. <laughs> he, he he's, he's working the system. Abraham and Isaac look robust and spiritual and bearded and, and uh, Holy, but then there's, there's little Jake. And so he enters the world in competition with the world and the whole story of his family, uh, his mom, is the one who brings it out in him uh I, I, esau is a is a uh he's a, he's an outdoor guy he he drives a four by four truck and he's always hunting and, <laughs> and uh jacob would get the impression is more of an indoor more booksy uh and he's mama's boy she loves him and so she works the system so that he will be treated like the firstborn because in ancient israel the firstborn got the by far and above the larger share of the inheritance and was in charge of the family. And she wanted Jacob to have it. And so we have that great story of Jacob tricking Esau and pulling the wool over Isaac's eyes, literally, and the father blessing Jacob instead of Esau. And once the blessing was given, it could not be revoked. And Esau's so mad, he wants to kill his baby brother. So Jacob escapes. And he goes to the distant land of Mesopotamia and he marries into the family of an uncle. And the uncle was every bit a scoundrel as Jacob was, even more so. And Jacob, the one who did the tricking, gets tricked. Jacob, the one who uh, did the workaround, gets worked around. And he falls in love with Rachel, thinking he's marrying her, but on the night of his honeymoon, only to find out that Laban did a switcheroo and uh, Laban uh, brought Leah, the older sister in, and, and now Jacob is married to her, and he can have Rachel if he works for seven more years. I mean, it if it <laughs> wasn't so funny, we'd cry because it's just one calamity after another. And we've not even begun to look at Jacob and his two wives as well as his two handmaidens and the dozen kids that they produce which is utter chaos, and so I, I, you can tell I love this story. Uh, tr- trying to trying to tie it up in a tidy knot just doesn't work. Mm. It, that old line they put the fun and dysfunctional that really works with this family.
1: I love that, and it makes me think. Even as you're sharing that, Max, the you know it it sets the stage for so much grace when you think about that kind of mess. And and I think grace is a theme, not just in this book, but it's woven throughout every book you've ever written, which is one of my favorite things to hear you speak about. And would love to just ask you, what holds us back from accepting God's grace and what holds us back from offering it to others?
2: Those are great questions. Uh, the problem with grace is that we have to agree that we need it before we accept it uh and and for some people that's really hard to do to to acknowledge we need grace is to acknowledge acknowledge that we've just screwed up uh so if some people find grace hard to accept because they they're a little too high on themselves others of us find grace hard to accept because we're too hard on ourselves uh we think i've I've self-eliminated. I've, I'm the one, I'm the exception to the rule, and I've uh, screwed up so much that there's no way, no way that God can forgive me. So for those who are too high on themselves, uh, they they keep God at arm's length. They they're just religious enough to uh, make themselves look good. Uh, and and they, they are what we call the self-righteous, you know, their righteousness is self. It's based on what they accomplish and do. Uh, the religious term for that is legalism. Uh, legalism is when we try to justify our relationship with God by something either we know or we feel or we do. It, it It's all based on us. Uh, the eventuality of legalism is uh, despair despair because we just can't keep up with it and so that that's the person that's too high on themselves the person that's too hard on themselves uh is just constantly battling uh, guilt or shame or embarrassment uh it could be as a result of what they were told about themselves from authority figures in their lives uh it could be uh Mistakes they made, uh, either a, a massive, colossal mistake, like, I don't know, a out of wed, out of, you know, uh, out of marriage pregnancy or abortion, uh, uh, or a season of, of, of prodigal living uh, in which there was a, a lot of disrespect or, or uh, alcohol or drug abuse. You know, we have those seasons in our lives. And, and there are many people who's, who are just so hard on themselves. And they say you know i know that god forgives everybody but then they put up a deflector shield and say everybody except me Mm -hmm. so those are the two at least from my perspective maybe i've oversimplified it but those are the two two uh big issues when it when it comes when it comes to grace and the great promise of god is hey you don't get to make this choice you don't get to make this choice I, he he knows the end from the beginning. Uh, he sees our lives from birth to hearse. He already knows. He he knows what Locato did. He knows what Locato will do. And he has said, I have chosen to love you because I am redeeming for myself a people with whom I will reign uh, and, 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 and live throughout eternity. And if you'll just say yes to this grace, if you'll just trust me, then, uh, then, then, then—that's what it boils down to. That's why we cherish the story, like of the thief on the cross, who did absolutely nothing except cry out to Jesus in some of his final words. You know, hey, could you put a good word in for me when you come into your kingdom? Uh, he didn't know much about Jesus, if he knew anything at all, but he knew Jesus was a king and that he had a kingdom, and he wanted to be a part of it. And and that's that's pretty much it. And that's what I find in Jacob. Well, I find in Jacob a man who just really wrestled with God, both metaphorically and literally. He wrestled with God. He he just couldn't quite get the cheese to stay on his cracker. And and some <laughs> days he would depend on God, some days he would depend on himself. And right up until the very end right up until the very end. In fact, the penultimate story, the next to last story in the story of Jacob is the ugliest of the stories. It's the story of his sons going Rambo on a village uh, and destroying the city of Shechem. It's just bloody, it's bloodthirsty. The name of God's not mentioned in the chapter. Jacob is passive. He doesn't do anything to stop him. And we're scratching our heads saying, now that's a young Jacob, okay, but this is a this is an old Jacob, mm. come on wake up and he and he had just been given a new name Israel in the chapter before and in this chapter he scripture doesn't call him Israel cuz he's not behaving like Israel he's behaving like Jacob and and so the the story of Jacob is so honestly refreshing for those of us who still find ourselves struggling with the things that we feel like I I should have given that up years ago mm-hmm. but I'm still struggling and and still The last story of Jacob is the story of God, yet again, coming to Jacob and receiving him into Bethel uh, and giving him, keeping the promise that he made to him. Uh, So the hero of the story of Jacob is God,
1: Mm -hmm. it's not Jacob. And the
2: hero of the story of Lakato is God, Mm -hmm. it's not Mm Lakato. And if we can acknowledge that, then I think we have a chance of trusting the great grace that God has for us.
0: Shout out to Clariton for supporting this episode and providing us with samples.
1: Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee.
0: Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief.
1: Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D.
0: This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease.
1: You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. <laughs>
0: I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat.
1: But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that.
0: That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin clear.
1: Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away.
0: The talk with your kids. Are you kidding me? My palms
1: still sweat just thinking about it.
0: <laughs> Most parents dread talking to their kids about sex, and they're afraid of what kids learn from our sex-saturated culture.
1: Remember when we had Mary Flo and Megan from Birds and Bees on the podcast? They said the key is to build healthy communication that leads to safe conversations within your home.
0: Yes, they are the best. Birds and Bees gives parents a plan. Their simple, time-tested, straightforward course empowers parents to be the experts on this topic, to be the loving authority their kids need.
1: Your kids need and deserve more than the awkward talk I gave mine. (laughs) I really wish I knew about birds and bees when my kids were younger.
0: So don't be awkward like David. Take the birds and bees online course. Visit birds-bees.com and use discount code RBG20 to save 20%. Once you purchase, you will have unlimited access so you can watch as many times as you want.
1: Take it from me, you need this course and these women are wonderful. Yes, they are. Go to birds-bees.com, use promo code RBG20 and save 20% or click the link in the show notes. So
0: grateful for that truth. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. So in our podcast this season we're talking about raising emotionally strong and worry-free kids. And we would love to go back in your story for a minute and maybe hear about something that you worried about in your early years of parenting that you wish you hadn't.
2: I I think I could I was overprotective of mm. my daughters. Uh, it's just such a wacko world in which we live. Their world was so different than mine, and the world of today is so different than theirs. Uh, I, I have great empathy for parents today. Just yesterday, I went into a, a Chick-fil-A, <laughs> a Chick-fil-A, and I had lunch, and uh, three college-age kids came. I was alone three college-age kids came and sat at the table next to me. They did not speak to each other the whole meal. Mm. Mm. They just looked at their phones. Mm. That may be a bit of an overstatement. They may have kind of said a few things, but they were on their phones the whole time. Maybe that shouldn't bug me, but it kind of bugs me. I'm saying, what, what social skills are going underdeveloped here? Because all they're doing is interacting with social media. So, that's a challenge. And, and for parents today, I, I'm so sympathetic. I'm so empathetic. I don't know what I do. I don't know what I do. Back in my day, my kids were playing too much Nintendo uh, <laughs> or, or something like that. So maybe I had to eat my, back in my dad's day with me, I was drinking too much Coors. So I was, a <laughs> I was an issue. I was an issue too. So we all have our problems. I, I guess my answer to your question looking back i i just i was so anxious of trying to protect my kids from everything uh i used to tease them and tease my daughters and uh tell them that i i have a baseball bat that i keep by the door and when their dates come to pick them up <laughs> Uh, I'm going to pull out the bat Mm -hmm. and on it, I will have curfew hour written. (laughs) I'll have, uh, what I want you to tell you, you know, I'll read the baseball bat. And I think they would laugh, but I think I might've overdone it on, Mm -hmm. on, on some of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, 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 we had a lot of fun, but we could have had more. Mm -hmm. I I tried to kind of clamp things down. I'd love to hear my daughters answer that question, and they would. They're mm. they're pretty straightforward. Uh, one of them, who's especially like her mom, would would be really like <laughs> straightforward.
1: <laughs> I didn't give you a good, clear answer. That's just no, a, the best that, that, that I could come I up that with, too. And it was yes. so honest. Me too. And and. Even in talking about your daughters and sharing that beautiful story about your wife a little bit earlier, you talked about being a grandfather and we wanted to be able to ask you about that. Would love to hear first, what's your favorite thing about being a grandfather and also anything you would say to parents from a grandfather's perspective?
2: Well, what I love about being a grandfather is that we get to sugar them up and send them home. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really good at that. I go buy candy and get them all wired up and send them home. Uh, one of one of my granddaughter is seven, almost eight. My grandson is five, and uh, and then we have a newborn coming. And also, one of our daughters has had several foster children. Right now, there's there are not any foster children, but she's always available, and there will be more. Uh, and so, we've had a chance to. Uh, hug and love on those little ones uh, as well. So, um, what I, I what I love about being a grandparent is is the chance just to to love our grandchildren. Uh, we have them every Monday. They spend the day with us, uh, and uh, it works. Is I'm I'm 68 now. And, and i'm in great health I, I feel strong i love what i do at our church but you know what i run out of fuel i really do and i don't think i could raise kids right now i look back and i say how did we do that how you know how did how are we on call 24 hours a day uh senior pastor of a church writing a bunch of how did i do all that and the fact is as you get older you don't have Quite have the get up and go that you used to. And so I, I like the way God organized this. Now, God bless you, grandparents who are raising kids. God bless
0: you. Amen. My hat
2: is off to you. And I know you're receiving supernatural strength. Mm-hmm. And I know if God gave you that call, he'll give you what you need. You will. I really enjoy a little of this <laughs> activity right now. And I, and I like that. So I think that's the, the way I'd answer that mm, first question. Thank you. Uh, what
1: was the second question? And is there anything that you would love to say to parents from a grandparent's mm. perspective?
2: Okay. 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 I would say, uh, parents, we can't raise your kids for you. We can't. Uh, and I'm not saying that out of personal experience, please. My daughters are listening. I But I am saying that out of pastoral experience in which families have grandparents have come to me and uh, asked, my kids are not raising their kids. Uh, They're both working. Uh, They're dropping them off at our house, picking up early in the morning, picking them up late at night. Uh, They're not disciplining them. Uh, They're leaving it up to us to make the hard decisions. Mm -hmm. And, And. and so my my if if there happens to be maybe i, I would imagine that there's not but if there happens to be uh, some parents who s- listen to that and say ooh that could be me then i would say be careful be careful your parents your kids need to see you as the authority in their lives uh the, we your grand the grandparents come along as a support system uh we we reinforce uh, we, uh, authorize, we may be a second voice, uh, or a second opinion. We're never going to counter what you parents say, but we don't need to be the first line uh, of defense, you know? Uh, so, so be careful. I know that many moms and dads need to work or desire to work or choose to work. That's fine. But just remember, you know, you, you only get one shot at those kids. You only get one shot at those kids mm-hmm. and, and it, and and what you hear us say all the time is true. It's going to be gone. I mean, it's done, and you have one chance to make an impression on those young lives, uh, and then they're going to be they're going to be moving on. Mm. And so,
1: do it while you can. Mm. Thank you.
0: Yes, I love that. Well, so as you can imagine, Max, with us being therapists with kids and families, we live in a lot of world of emotion and talk so much about anxiety. And and so as we're talking with kids about emotion and anxiety and all the different things, we talk a lot about needing to anchor ourselves to truth. And so I would love for you to say one truth that has really helped you worry less as a person, as a parent, as a granddad, as a pastor, all the different places that you are in life.
2: When God is big, anxieties are small.
0: Mm.
2: When God is big, anxieties are small. When God is small, anxieties are big. Mm. Um, you guys, I know you're a lot younger than I am, but do you remember that Steven Spielberg movie called Jaws? Yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. yes. You remember that? Yes.
2: So, do you remember that? Do you remember that iconic line in that movie? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Yes. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And it's when those three people, I can't, forgive me, I can't, one of them is a sheriff and and one of them is a fisherman, and then there's a a third one. But three guys are going out in in the fisherman's boat to see if they can find this great white shark that's wreaking havoc off the New England coast and attacking swimmers. That's the theme of the story. And when they finally see the shark, uh, the, uh, the, I think it's the policeman turns to the guy who's has the fishing boat and he says, you're going to need a bigger boat because the, the shark is so big, is so mm. big. So I, I was thinking of that. It's funny you ask, cause I was really thinking of this just the other day. And I did a little research on the largest boat, uh, ever built. It's been decommissioned and, uh, you can go online and just Google largest boat ever built. But this one was like, it's a tanker and it was several football fields long and it was like 50 stories high. I mean, just huge, huge. And so imagine if those three men had been on that boat and seen the same shark. Mm. Well, they still would have noticed the shark, but they would have taken pictures of it, you know. Because they were on a bigger boat. Mm. So faith is when we realize the immensity of this vessel called the USS Living God. Mm. And we realize that we're on, it, our, the boat we're on, the sovereignty of God, the love of God, the hope of God, the strength of God is larger than anything we're ever going to face in life. What teenagers are facing these days is they think uh, their boat is too small, and they see these uh, white, white they, they, these these sharkish challenges coming their way of of college debt, or or uh, never getting married, or getting married to the wrong person, or, or uh, social media comparison challenges. You know, they just they're all coming at them. And if we can just somehow keep reminding our kids that our God was here before any of this happened, He will be here long after this is gone, that you are His idea, and He doesn't have any bad ideas, and He's he's seen all this before. If we can just say, we've got a huge boat. I don't think we solve anxiety by focusing on anxiety. I think we solve anxiety by enlarging our view of God. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I think I think that was the message of the Apostle Paul. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and request, with thanksgiving, make all your requests to nod or all, offer all your prayers to God. What he's doing there is he's saying, turn your attention away from your anxieties and turn your attentions toward your heavenly Father and stay focused on Him. We have to do this every day every day i had to i have to do it right now i have to do it today i have to choose am i going to trust god or am i going to focus on on problems but the mind that is set on god is a mind that has
1: less of a battle with anxiety mm. That is a truth to anchor to right there. Thank you for that. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for that. But you're not old enough to remember that movie. We are. You were kind <laughs> to say <laughs> we that. Certainly we certainly are. We absolutely remember that movie. <laughs> we do indeed. Max, we like to end every episode with something Fun and food related. We move from the substantive to the silly. And we want to ask you a two part question. And it's really fun to ask a Texan this question. The same question mm. we ask every guest. It makes at the us end. jealous to ask it a It us question. jealous to ask a Texan. But the, it's a two part question. The first part is queso or guac. And the second part <laughs> is what's your favorite taco?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, queso. Okay. Queso. Uh, what was that? two bits, four bits, six bits of queso was our (laughs) what we would yell. That's uh, great. And and then uh, my favorite taco is the one I'm going to have for lunch now that you've mentioned this. Mm. My wife is a bit of a health food nut. And if I have anything that's less than uh, ideal for my body, I have to sneak out and buy it. So (laughs) she's gone today. So that's my perfect time to go and have a Crispy uh, taco.
0: I'll do
1: that. We'll keep that between the three of us. You want me to email you one? I can email (laughs) you. We love it. We would love it. Oh,
0: Max! Thank you so much for this time, and thank you for your heart and so much truth and grace. Absolutely. So, thank you.
2: God bless you and all the work you do, and thank you for being a safe place where people can turn in times of great anxiety
1: and fear. a gift to be with you. Thank you for those words. Blessings on your day. All the best to you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Enjoy the taco. (laughs) Did you love today's episode? If so, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Send a quick text or email with the link to the show.
1: Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls.